Hey, welcome to the Lifehouse Newport News podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring life change through Christ to all people. And we believe that happens when people say yes to Jesus, do life together, get in the game, and leave a legacy. We hope this podcast inspires and challenges you to grow in your faith. Subscribe to ensure you don't miss a single episode and share it with someone you know who may need it. Again, thank you for joining us today. Now let's get to this week's episode. We are today concluding our series, uh, Love Does. For the past four weeks, we have been talking about love and how really, thank you, dear, and, and just how really what our world desperately needs in this cultural moment is more love. I mean, we can all feel it and sense it. It just seems like people's tolerance level for each other is waning, even within the church. I mean, I can't tell you over, I mean, just think y'all, one year ago today is when the world stopped. One year ago today, like, I remember where I was at one year ago today. And throughout this past year, a lot of what has been inside of people has been revealed And a lot of it has been filled with hate. A lot of it has been filled with just not a lot of Jesus being in there. And so really, whenever we did this series, we said, hey, we want to talk about what it means to love like Jesus. Because what our world desperately needs, and what Jesus even said about his followers, is that people will know you are my followers, not by how much money you have, not by the status you have, not by the kind of cars, houses, or even the great prayers you pray or the spiritual gifts you have. Jesus actually said people will know you by how you love each other. And unfortunately, I think we've even seen that during this year of insanity, that one of the things that has been exposed is how love is lacking even in those who claim to follow Christ. And so we have said, Lord, we want to take these next five weeks, and we're concluding it today talking about love like Jesus. I want to speak to you today from the subject title of Love Does. Love Does. Can someone say Love Does? Love Does. Because, y'all, let's just, let's just be candid. A lot of the, our problems that we face, I know me, when I take a look at my life, a lot of the problems that I have are not a knowledge problem. Everything I know that I need to change is not a knowledge problem. I mean, it's insane how science has given us more knowledge, but not a lot of science has actually empowered us to change. It's just showed us a lot of what we can't do. Like, just one thing, right? Just, just like eating or smoking. Science reveals that's not good for you. Now, if you smoke or anything, well, I'm not judging you. There's no judgment here. At all, right? Because here's the, I mean, I've, you know, I, I, I've got my stuff, you got, we all got stuff. Though we know, we just scientifically speak, follow the science. It's not good for you. So typically our problem is not a knowledge problem, it's a doing problem. We have a doing problem. And I, I think what we have lost when it comes to this idea of love is as Christians, we've got to take love from being a concept we know we should do to being something practical in our lives that we actually do. Because our world is aching not to know what we believe. Christians have been very good at that. 
well, we believe, we believe, but we haven't done a very good job of actually showing people what we believe. People don't care what you, what you know. People don't know how much, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And we've tried to lead with, well, we believe, but unfortunately we failed many times. We have become, what, hypocrites at the very thing we tell people we believe that they should do. And I mean, honestly, right, whenever you think about this whole thing of, of knowing what you should do and doing what you should do, it's really this whole idea of, faith versus deeds. And, and basically saying, right, James, in, in James chapter two, he actually has this, this kind of like back and forth conversation with these, with these churches, early churches in the first century where James is basically like trying to write to them and tell them, hey, what you believe is important. But if what you believe doesn't have proof, it actually doesn't matter. Let's read this here. In James chapter two, James, he says it's like, what good is it, my brothers and sisters? Now the thing, James, and let me give you some context here. James was actually Jesus's little brother. And, and so you talk about a dude that had firsthand insight, knowledge, and, and experience with Jesus. James would have been it. And, and this is what James says. Here. He says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, hey, go in peace, keep warm and, and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, and it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, yeah, but you know, you have faith, but <laughs> I got deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. There's so much here. But let me tell you what James is saying. Your faith needs proof. Basically saying what you believe to be true is shown not by what you say. It's shown by what you do. Is anyone else convicted? I think we have a, like a proofless faith where the greatest evidence that you, like, that you are a Christ follower isn't what you shout at people, it's what, it's what you do. Now, here's the thing. I'm the first person to, to say what you do does not save you. Scripture is clear on that. For it is by God's grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, this is the gift from God. I'm the first one to be like, yo, like we are not saved by what we do, we're saved because of what Jesus did on the cross. There's a work that Jesus does for us, and then there's a work that Jesus does in us. Right, the work that Jesus did for us, he did on the cross, in your place, and for your sin. There was nothing you could do, no amount of good works, no amount of money, no amount of good stuff you can do to be good in God's eyes. You are good in God's eyes because of what Jesus did. Lived the life you couldn't live, died the death you should have died in your place and for your sin, but rose and defeated Satan's sin and death. That is, you had nothing to do with that. Nothing. So I'm the first to say what you do does not save you, but what you do does show proof of who you've put your faith in. And this is where I think we have drastic, and literally I can hear Paul saying, if your love is not shown by what you do, your love is dead. And I think it's absolutely like, James was petty. 
I'll show you how petty James is. And I mean, if this doesn't show you there's pettiness in the Bible, like James writes snarky. He, he has the spirit of snark. What he says is here, he says, yeah, you believe there's one God? Cool. Even the demons believe that. So you know what James is essentially saying? The only thing that makes you different from demons isn't what you believe. It's what you do. Because even the demons believe Jesus is Lord. You can see that in Jesus' ministry. Where you can see the, the like Jesus is casting demons out and the demons are like, who would, no son of man, no son of God. Where do you get, like they were even confessing who Jesus was. So your confession is important, but your confession is not enough proof to show who you've confessed in. But that's the same concept with love. Love has got to have proof. Now, I don't know about you, right? You go, yeah, John, okay, you're telling me I need to love. I appreciate that. But the truth is we have a doing problem. Now, I don't know about you. When someone says, like, I should be doing something, like when, when I started to get my life right and start to work out, right, when I started to, like, actually start, not just know I should work out and know that I should eat right and those sorts of things, but when I actually started doing it, I had this problem of not knowing where to start. Anybody else have, have that? Like, the, your, your, your problem is starting. Like, I don't know about you, Netflix, right? You, you go on there, you try to find something to watch. And you spend 45 minutes trying to find something to watch. By the time you get done searching for something to watch, you're done. Like, I don't even want to watch nothing. You're like, you just don't know where to start. Like, if you just picked the show and started it, you'd probably like it. But you're caught up in, you know, and, and then too, sometimes working out, you can just go online and get confused. Well, you should do keto. Well, you should do low carb. Well, you should do, you know, you should eat all fat. You should eat no fat. You should eat a lot of carbs, no carbs. And then you go, well, work out. You can do cardio. You could, you could, you could do lifting. And, and you can get so overwhelmed with where to start, you don't even start. And so it's so really, we have, I believe we have this problem in following Jesus. Because even in church, we can, we can be like, you got to read your Bible, you got to pray, but there's context in the, in the Bible. Be careful how you read it, you know what I'm saying? And we just dump stuff on people, and people get overwhelmed. They're like, uh, yeah, just start in Genesis. And by Genesis 5, this person's sleeping with that person, this person's sleeping with that person, this person's having 14 kids. This, I mean, it's like, huh? I mean, we can, we can get so paralyzed that we don't even know where to start. And I think when it comes to this concept of love does, when I'm saying, hey, let's, let's not just be a people that talk about love, but let's be a people that actually do love, I, I think where we've got to start is this, like, we, the, the way you get better at not just believing in love, but doing love is going to be a couple words that are probably going to not, like, they're, they're probably not going to make you very happy because it's not the easy way, but it's the right way. And the way the culture is shaping and forming you is to find the quickest, most efficient way where you have to give the least amount of effort to get the biggest return because we're trained in this whole mindset of how can I get it quick and easy? It's the way the culture is training us. So when we're trying to build up this idea of love and practicing love and as we become more loving, we become more like the God we're created in because God is love. It's, the, it's these two words today that I, wanna, that, that I wanna focus on that put us in the trajectory of not just knowing more about love but actually doing more love. 
It, are, it, it is these two words, practice and training. Practice and training. I spoke about this a couple weeks back, but honestly, I feel like within our church, it's, it, it, it really is a constant theme that we, are, that we are learning slowly so we can learn what it means to follow Jesus. It, and really, it is, when it comes to following Jesus, we are training, we aren't trying. And I know when people get this because you possibly have been raised in a church where, the, where, the, where they just say, just try harder to be like Jesus. Grit your teeth harder. More willpower. Just do better. Try harder, right? And what that produces is more guilt and shame and condemnation inside of you because at the end of the day, it's not if you fail, it's when you fail. Over and over and you feel like, I'm trying. God, what do you want from me? I'm trying to love people, but I hate him. I don't like him. I want to punch him in the face. Right? It's just like, so you're trying to have that feeling. You're, you're trying to feel like you can do it. So you, and you go through seasons of it. You go through cycles where you're like, man, I'm loving Jesus. You go through another cycle where you're like, man, I don't even know if I'm a Christian. It's this cycle, man. It's this cycle. But when you switch your, your mindset from I'm trying because there's not enough good stuff he could try to make you like Jesus. The thing is this, when you accept what Jesus did for you, you become like Jesus. You accept a new identity. That's why in 2 Corinthians 5, it says, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. You can't try hard enough to get that. That's simply received. That's why it's called grace. Grace means you don't earn it. Grace means you receive it. So the thing is this, your fundamental identity changes when you receive what Jesus did for you. But then it goes from when you view your life as not as trying to your training, then you start to say, you know what? I already am who I desire to be, and that is like Jesus, and that's because of faith and grace. But now, I said there's a work that Jesus does for you, and there's a work that Jesus does in you. The work that Jesus does for you is instant. He did it, you, re you receive it, you change. But then there's a work that Jesus does in you that is a process. And that is where if you see your life, now I am already, my identity has been changed to be like Jesus. Now I have to train. So when you start to save, to view your life as now I'm starting to train to be like Jesus. So what I believe in who I am actually shows its forth, itself forth in my body and in my daily life and what I do. Training makes all of the difference because you start to see everything differently. You even start to see failure differently. But here, here's the thing, training, I, here's, the, here's the thing, right? I believe we have separated discipline from being a disciple. Where we have lost to art because we think, well, if I love Jesus, Jesus is just gonna change me. He's just gonna wave his magic wand and he's just gonna make me a more loving person. He's just gonna do it. Which, you know what, for some people I've seen that, like there's a fundamental shift where like they, like it's almost easy for them. And I'm like, I don't like you, you know? It's like, why didn't God Jesus do that for, for me? Cause like I know when I got saved 20 years ago, I was playing kickball yesterday. And I'm still holding on to a call that the ref made. I'm like, I got a ways to go. I've been following Jesus for 20 years, and I'm still having to like, 
But, but, <laughs> sorry. But here's the thing. I think we have lost the fact that becoming like Jesus involves us training. And that goes against what the culture says. The culture says, like, oh, just, just do things quick, efficient, easy. But here's the thing, right? Let me show you what Paul said, even about this whole concept of training. Paul said this, 1 Timothy 4. He said this, don't, and, and he's, all right, he's speaking to his pastoral protege, Timothy. He's raising him up. He says, don't waste your time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Train. He says, stop doing what Christians love to do, arguing over stuff that in the light of eternity doesn't mean a thing. He says, don't, don't waste your time arguing over godless ideas. How much time have we wasted over this past year arguing about dumb ideas? And posting Facebook posts and rah, 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 rah. Well, those, well, those Republicans and well, those Democrats and well, those lefties and well, those righties and well, you know, those, rah, 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 rah. and we're just, it's just like, you know what we're doing? We're wasting time. We're wasting energy that we could be focusing in on training to be more like Jesus. Also, too, this is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9. He's speaking to the church in Corinth there. He said, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are what? Disciplined in their what? Training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should otherwise. I fear, or, or uh, training it to do what it should otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I might myself be disqualified. Do you know what Paul is saying here? You can pray all day, you can, you can, you can desire, but a lot of change is directly related to good old-fashioned discipline. It's training. It's training. And I think we struggle with love because we don't know how to actually train ourselves to be more loving. And, and so here's the thing. Whenever we talk about training, you've, you've got to realize, right, like everyone wants to grow, but they don't want test. Everyone wants to grow, but they don't want to get uncomfortable. And I hope you know as you grow, what comes with growing is tests and what comes with growing is being uncomfortable. And what, tom, what comes with growing is actually you ha having to actually say, I want to train and be disciplined so I can become more of what I desire to in my heart. It's training. It's training. And let me tell you the training ground where this idea of love is built up. It is built up in the context of relationships. The, pr the place that God has ordained where you get to practice love is in the context of relationships. I find it crazy that Jesus called 12 disciples. Did those disciples become like him overnight? Heck no. Even after years of being with Jesus, you still had doubters. You even still had Peter denying him. What did those disciples enter into? They entered into a training, an apprenticing under who? Jesus. Even the disciples of Jesus trained. They were called, Jesus saw something in them 
And he said, look, you can be like me, but to be like me, you're going to have to go through a process. And that's what I'm saying with love. We can have a desire for love, but we've got to enter into the training ground. And let me tell you where love is practiced. It's practiced in relationships. Where here's the thing. You know what transformed me? Is when I started to see my wife, instead of seeing her as a tool to bring me happiness, I started to see her as the person that God put into my life to help train me to love. Instead, thank you for for that, instead of viewing her as just how is she going to make me happy, I started to see her as she's the one that God's put into my life to make me holy. She did not get put into my life to complete me. She got put into my life to compliment me and so I can be side by side with her. And here's the thing, right? As I die to myself and love her, who do I become more like in the process? It's in the context of relationships. It's in the context of relationships. Friendships are not just there to make you happy. They're there to make you holy and they're a way that you get the opportunity to practice love. Relationships have thousands of little opportunities every day for you to practice what you ultimately hope to become, and that is more loving. Like, I just think the other day, I had this opportunity. I came home. It was a long week. I don't think my wife's in this. Is she? Okay, good. Um, So the other day, um, I came home, right? And it was one of those weeks, man. I had a lot of counseling ses- sessions. I preached that week. Like, it w- I, I was tired. I was physically, I, I had poured myself out. And I came home, and here's the thing, right? The context we have, we have three boys, nine, seven, and five. They are little destroyers. They just go, they, we call it the hurricane. Wherever they go in our home, there's crushed goldfish. There's crushed Cheez-Its. There's things, how, the, how where did this even come from, you know? But so it's like our constant, I'm very busy. She's homeschooling. There's a lot, you know, she, she, she's got a very crazy, hectic, busy life. And I come home, and the kitchen is just a mess. And I'm trying to, like, make, make something. And have you ever done that where, like, there's so much on the counter, it would take you, like, two minutes to, like, clean the counter, but you're, like, trying to play, tet- but you're trying to play Tetris on the counter. So you're just, like, moving stuff so you, so you can get stuff on, on there. And I was so frustrated. Like, I was like, you know, I got, you know, here's the thing. I, I was tired and stressed out. This is not one of my best moments, okay? Just being candid here, right? Of, of, of just like, man, you know, it's like, man, I just want to clean the kitchen, man. I just want to try to make something here. It's like, what does she do all day? You know, it's just like, exactly. You can crucify me. Go ahead, do it. I deserve it. Sometimes that's how I get when I'm tired, right? But, 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 I, but you have these moments too. Don't come at me like that. Don't come at me like that. You know you've been in that moment too. Where not your best comes out and you're thinking stuff you know ain't right, but you're tired in that moment. And I just remember thinking, it's practice time. It's game time. This is a moment right here where I could and I've done in the past where I'd be like, you know, hey, hey, you know, just... You know, you know and, and, and just like gone and complained and kind of got into this tit for tat thing where you kind of be passive aggressive. Kind of be like, oh, well, okay, she's going to not do that. Well, I'm just, you know, well, you, well, do you know what? Whenever I walk in, I'm not going to hug her. That's, that's, what I, that's, that's what I'm saying. 
But, but, but honestly, like we get in this tit for tat thing. You're like, oh, okay. And, and, and by God's grace, I said, John, this is practice time. Because love, lo- love covers. It's not tit for tat. It's not like, a, okay, well, she, she does this for me. I do that for her. That is not called love. You know, it's just like love. I mean, if love is showed by what, by what Jesus did and how Jesus lived, there's a lot of people who didn't do what Jesus wanted him to do. Right? So, so he's saying, like, I, I, I said, this is the opportunity that I have. It's practice time. And it has started. So I took 20 minutes and cleaned up the kitchen. And... I can't tell you how thankful I was when I got done. I was just like, I can't believe that this moment could have turned into a week of conflict if I would not have just practiced love. And here's the thing. Little things done over a long period of time make a big difference. And we downplayed the little moments because some of you think, well, I'm, you, know, you wait for those big moments instead of seizing and realizing the the weight of every little decision, every little interaction, every little choice, and the power and the compound interest of those little things done over a long period of time making a big difference. Your character is the exact same way. Your Christ-likeness is the exact same way. It is those little times of practice where you say, little things done over a long time make, uh, make a big difference. Even the context of church. Because I think sometimes people can, can, oh, the church just wants to take from me. They want to take my money. They want to take my time. They just want to take from me. And, and y'all, I think Jesus set the church up to actually be a place where it's just practice. If you can't serve on a serve team or serve somebody in our community for a couple hours a month, a couple hours per week, how are you gonna be transformed into a person that Jesus himself said, I did not come to be served, I came to serve. It's practice. I can see just like, if, if you can't say, I'm gonna set this, this amount of finances aside to forward the mission of God, how is everything in your life gonna be his? Giving is practice. It's not the church is trying to get something from you. The church is trying to get something to you. But here's the thing. I know churches have abused it. I know churches, you know, you see pastors rolling in Benzes and stuff. I mean, you know. I get churches have abused that. They have. And, I, and I've, if that's been you, I apologize. Because that is not what the church is called to do. It's not it's been called to use people. It's called to love people. But ultimately, the church is here for the very purpose of helping you transform to be more like Jesus. But the church is just a place to practice. But many people bail on practicing because they don't like practice. Just hear Allen Iverson, right? Anyone know? Talk about practice. Man, we're talking about practice. But it's in the, what, what is the church? It's relationships. I see so many people have conflict in church and bail when there's conflict. What are they doing? They're bailing on practice. If you will avoid conflict here, you're probably going to not do it in your workplace or your relationships. And it's going to malform you to not know how to handle conflict. It's practice, y'all. It's practice. Are you practicing? Are you practicing? 
Or are you skipping out on the very little things done over a long period of time that will shape and form you to be a certain kind of person? I can guarantee that if you're going to practice, there are three eyes that, are, that it's going to feel like. Really, really, really quick. That when you start to practice, it's going to feel inconvenient. Second one. It's going to feel like a big interruption. And it's going to feel like this. Invisible. When you put in the practice, like no one saw what I did to my wife in my home except God and her. It was an interruption because I was ready to eat. <laughs> was an inconvenience. But why I'm giving you these three eyes is because when you have these moments, and you will tomorrow, you will this week, when you feel these things, I went inside of your soul, say it's practice time. Here we go. Someone bothers you at work and they are interrupting your workflow. Could it, could it be God tap, tap, tapping in and saying, there's somebody that's really hurt and they need someone to hear them? It's an opportunity to practice love. When you feel these three things, it's going to feel a little bit like love. But I want you to get your jersey on. I want you to get your warm-ups and say, hey, it's time to practice I, I, I believe the big reason why we have a church that is malformed is because we have not gotten enough training. We've bailed on it. And we have thought that just following Jesus is going to happen just because of what we believe. Belief is important, but even as James said, it's what you do. Doing doesn't save you, but doing proves. We can even see Jesus in John, in John chapter 13. The context here is Jesus is about to die, and this is the final meal with his disciples. And one of the final things that Jesus does is get down and wash his disciples' feet. This is what it says. He says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. He said this, do you understand what I have done for you? And he's talking to his disciples. He says, he asked them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your teacher, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus didn't say, hey, I'm washing your feet so you won't have to wash no one else's feet. Go on, disciples, have a good life. He said, no, I've done this because I want to show you what love looks like. And he said, go and do as, uh, as I have done. What does washing feet look like for you? You might not actually wash people's nasty, stanky feet. It's not on my to-do list, right? But washing feet looks different in each relational, con in each relational context. So what does it look like for you? I think sometimes within, within our culture, we get in this what's in it for me mentality. Jarvis, man, you're going to come on up. We're going to close out. We're going to get ready to, to receive communion today. But I think we can really, really easily within, within our culture, we can get into this what's in it for me mentality. 
So we can say, yeah, but when, when I do good things, when I do love, what's in it for me? And I think we miss the most important thing that happens whenever we do and whenever we practice and whenever we train to be, to, to be more loving. It's not what we receive in return. It's who we become in the process. The greatest gift you receive in doing love is not what you get back from somebody and what they do for you. The greatest thing you receive is the person you become, which is if you become more like God and God is love. So, when you, so whenever you become more like him, you become more what? More loving. And that is why as, as, Christ, as Christ followers, as we're practicing and as we're training to love, don't get it mixed up. We don't do love so we can receive it back. We do love and the greatest recept, like the greatest thing we get in return is the, I've through this, I am becoming more like Jesus. That's, that's what you get in return. I don't want it to be mixed up. I want you to know that as you practice, as you practice in whatever context you're in, married relationships, job relationships, friendships, all of these con- contexts, you're going to see as you practice it more, you're going to see the character of Christ formed and shaped in you. Thank you again for joining us today. If you need prayer, have any questions about what you just heard, or said yes to Jesus, please reach out to us at LifehouseNN.com or text 757-690-2401. We'd love the opportunity to pray for you and help guide you through the next step in your faith journey. In the meantime, we hope you'll join us online next Sunday at 9 a.m. or 1030 a.m. at LifehouseOnline.com or in person for a live worship service at 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. at the Kiln Creek Regal Theater in Newport News, Virginia. Visit LifehouseNN.com for more information or to RSVP for a live service.